When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. My mom, in her words, had taught herself to hate me so much in utero that by the time I was born, she could hardly touch me. Hey, Michelle. Hey, darling. How's it going? It's going. How's it going with you? <laughs> Good. It Good. is so sunny, and I feel bad that I'm complaining that it's like blinding me in this window. I'm sorry. It's actually wrapped up like a deuce. Douche? Deuce? Don't know which one it is. Sounds offensive either way. I think it's a deuce. Oh my god, that just reminded me. We were driving yesterday, and I think it must be TikTok trending the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song. And Olivia, who is 11, was trying to sing it, but I was like, how do you get the words wrong? But then I was like, oh yeah, you're 11. She said, in West Philadelphia, born and raised on a playground is where I spent most of my days. But then she said, to be honest, I don't even know what she said, but she was like, chilling out flat and and making it cool and shooting some (laughs) b-ball outside of a school. And I was like, ma'am, I need to do some education. It's a classic. Chilling chilling out Max Max and and relaxing all cool and shooting some b-ball outside of school. school. When a couple of guys can Oh, classic. Happy October. Woohoo. It is October. It is October. This is our second October episode. It does not feel like October. No, it's so stinking beautiful out. It is. Over it a little bit. (laughs) Over the weather? A little bit. I like some fall now. The colors in the leaves are just stunning. This is probably the best fall that we've ever had because generally yeah. we get like the leaves like literally just turn and then we get snow. Yeah. And then and they're they just, gone forever. So yeah. this is probably the longest we've had like fall leaves before. Fall is beautiful. And speak, it's so beautiful. What are we doing today? We're going to take photos. Photos. So Ooh, <laughs> I'm going to, it's funny excited. because we don't have the budget for a profesh photographer. Yeah. To come Are out. we using so, like a selfie stick or what's the plan? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to use <laughs> my girlfriend, Lindsay, and my, oh. iPhone, my iPhone 12. 
Okay. It yeah, is the iPhone it. 12 Pro. We're one so step closer. These are going to be some professional pictures. But for anybody who, I don't know, doesn't know, we do holiday photos every year. And Ooh. we always end up looking a little bit like a lesbian couple, but in the yeah. best way. Okay. The first year we did it at your house in your backyard and there was snow on the ground. The second year we did it just by the park by my house. Yeah. There wasn't snow on the ground, but I feel like it was very cold maybe. Yeah. That sounds familiar. I think it was chilly that day. And then it's like a balmy 22 degrees Celsius right now. I know. We're going to be wearing shorts and tank tops. (laughs) I got my daisy too. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, no, because be nice. it's this time of year that they have all the like every professional photographer and every family is getting family photos done, and yeah. then it's going to be Christmas me stars. and you, yeah, me yeah. and you, arm in arm with yeah. Lindsay walking backwards with her holding her iPhone. At one point, I'll probably be on your back. Uh, yeah, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. How are you doing? How was your week? It was pretty good. I couldn't sleep on, what day was that? Tuesday night? Oh, I yeah. literally was awake all night. I think I slept a combined two or three hours. Oh, and that's the worst feeling. Sometimes this happens. Like, I periodically I'll have something like this, but like very yeah. rarely. And usually I'll put on a sleepy time story on the YouTubes. I know mm-hmm. if you go back long enough, you'll hear us talk about the rain sound. And I really like Her that. sleep but time showers. Yeah, my sleep time showers. <laughs> but this one is, it's called like insomnia. And this woman just talks like in this very, her cadence is very slow, very rhythmic. Usually a minute in, I'm asleep. I listened oh, to this fuck. two hour video twice. And then I was just mad at her. I found another one and that one was boring. Yeah. I just listened the for sleep stories all night and didn't sleep. It's oh, a nightmare. That's awful. Yeah, that's the worst. I go through that too. I'll go through like bouts of insomnia where like I can't sleep for three nights and my eyes will start to twitch and everything goes crazy. And then I'm like, sorry, there was a bug. Was that our friend? It might've been. That you just killed? Sorry, Judy. (laughs) Just hear this distant. (laughs) But yeah, not being able to sleep is the worst, especially when you know you have to do something the next day. And then you're like, if I sleep now, I'll have five hours. If I sleep now, I'll have four hours. And then all you do is think about how much sleep you're not getting. That's the worst. Anyway, how was your week? It was okay. I worked every day. Got some COVID running around work right now. So oh, yeah, that's interesting. I was not feeling well yesterday. I had a really sore throat and a headache and I still have a sore throat today. So I'm probably going to take a test, especially before my parents come over tomorrow. Yeah, you're going to have a dinner tomorrow. Yes, I am going to have a dinner tomorrow. I was fine with Thanksgiving passing by and not doing anything. But I feel like I shouldn't feel sad and hate holidays. So, yeah. I had a friend be like, oh, are you doing anything for Thanksgiving? And I was like, "Ugh, no. And I was like, might have a dinner, but like, I don't personally think we should celebrate Thanksgiving. And she was like, you hate all holidays. And I was like, no, I hate all holidays rooted in racism and made up religions. There you go. (laughs) And she's so like Halloween. Heck yeah. Yeah, Halloween's great. We're going to have a pumpkin carving party. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah, I don't like holidays. This time of year is very difficult. Listen to the Mm -hmm. Patreon if you want to know more details. But this is not a good time of year. It's not a good holiday for me. And it's really not something that I want to celebrate. I'm not up for hosting, making food, any of that. You know, Yeah. my house is small. I've got five creatures in this house. 
bless myself. I can't keep it clean and I don't really want to do anything. I bet you like 85% of the people listening right now are like, me too, about feeling guilted or feeling pressured or I don't want to be a Scrooge, but I just, I don't know. I have a question. Do you know the term she was resting on her laurels? I have heard it, but I'm not 100% sure what it means. Does that mean like, like being stubborn? No, it's so I said, I just wondered because I said it the other day to Lindsay. I don't even know what we were talking about, but I said something about resting on your laurels. She was like, what is that? And I was like, what do you mean? What is that? Like, where did I hear it? I feel like I've used it my whole life, but it's basically to rest or sit on one's laurels to be satisfied with past success and do nothing to achieve further future success. So it just means like, I'm not going to try any harder. This is like like ambivalent with where you are and you're not really looking to go any further. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about me? (laughs) No, I I don't know. Were you resting on your laurels? I don't think so. I don't know. You got to get off those laurels. I don't even know what a laurel is, to be honest. I don't know. I'm going to look it up, though. What is a... And how do you spell it? I spelled it L-A-U-R-E-L-S. Okay. Or is it L-O-R-E-L-S? I feel like it's got to have some bad history where a laurel is like a maid or something, and you're just like resting on your maid and like making them do all the work. Google tells me it's any of a number of shrubs or other plants with dark green glossy leaves. An aromatic evergreen shrub. Mm, That can't be right. What are a person's laurels? No, everything just, it's a tree. Don't rest on your tree or your bush. (laughs) No bush resting for you, ma'am. Oh my God. I'm going to start using that instead. I was like, she was resting on her bushes. She's resting on that bush again. Get off that bush. So it dates back to Greek and Roman traditions where victorious Olympians or generals wore crowns made of laurel wreaths as symbols of victory, success, and status. Oh. So you're resting on the fact that you already have this status and yeah. you don't need to go any Keep further. Going. Okay, that makes sense. Does this mean after this episode that I could classify us as an educational podcast? I believe so. There's going to be two educational facts on this episode because the other thing I want to educate the viewers on is joining our Patreon. Oh, look at you with the transition. Look at that. It just flowed. Love it. it just flowed. I've been doing some work on getting some packages ready for our top tier patron level. You have been doing a lot of work and it is adorable. Okay. I'm just extra. And when it arrives in your mailbox to the You'll ultimate softies, they'll know. I'm just like already embarrassed to send it, but I committed. <laughs> I like woke up yesterday morning and then I started doing it and I was like, oh, okay, we got to get these out now that we've got all this stuff order or organized. It's very dorky and it's very cute. And I think our ultimate softies are going to love it. I hope so. So <laughs> if anybody's listening and you don't know, Patreon is a monthly subscription and a really great way to support the work that we do if you have Mm -hmm. capacity. And we thank you with two bonus episodes every month. If you are at the ultimate Sufti level, you get a feature called Wet Wednesday, which is a video episode. Mm -hmm. And we things go off the rails and they do all of that. And even they were ever on the rails. But they, they did, just, they've never even touched the rails. Never. No. Even the like regular oh, twice a month 
Patreon episodes are like exclusive. You'll never hear them on Mm -hmm. the main feed. They're my stories. They're your stories. There's guests who just prefer to have their stories a little bit more, I don't know, protected. protected. Yeah, Yeah, sure. And we have over 60 to listen to. And yeah, you can, as soon as you join, you get every single episode available to you right away. It's just a great way to learn more about Carling and I, even though I feel like we tell you everything. There's still (laughs) definitely lots of stuff that we have kept only for our Patreon members. Totally. Every now and then we do a giveaway when we can. And so for the month of October, if you are a patron at any of the levels, there are three to choose from, you get entered automatically into a draw to win a book by... One of our guests named Corby. If you are interested in it and you want like even more reason to join us on Patreon, sign up in the month of October and you'll be entered to win a signed copy of her book. Anyway, I'm stoked about this week's episode. Me too. I love Dawn so much. We had such a fun chat with her. So let us know what you think and let's get into it. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hello, Dawn. Hello. How are you? So good today. It's good. Really great. Awesome. That's amazing. It's a Sunday. It's sunny. Right. Yeah. I was saying today, I really love this time of year because I love the urgency of fall, where it's oh. like the, the impending doom of winter is coming. Yes. So everybody lives life in a totally different way. That's there's so true. much more appreciation for the colors and appreciation for the sun. And there's yeah. just like yes. hilarious urgency that's That's so true the best way we went on a big adventure hike today it was so packed and it was like all these families that are like this might be the last nice day yeah we gotta get out and soak (laughs) it all up and we're talking about like draining our hoses and like winterizing the yard and doing all the things because this might be the last nice day this is it yeah it's like this impending doom time of year and it cracks me up it's like my favorite yeah that is a that is really funny awesome we have been stoked to talk to you i was on your podcast And we've heard from people that have listened to it that they loved it and it was really raw and we talked about my dead dad and our hard relationship. So that was, it was, (laughs) we kept it real light. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we kept it real light and fluffy. And then you were so gracious to come on our show. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Well, thank you. I would love it if you introduce yourself, tell the world who you are, what you do. And then we'll get to where your story begins. Oh, man, that's a big one. <laughs> so my name is Dawn Taylor. I'm the ass kicker hope giver of the Taylor way. So I do an interesting mix of personal business and trauma coaching, but I hate the word coaching. So let's just cross that off. I work mostly with entrepreneurs that have had some sort of trauma in their life. And it's very strategy based, very like, no, 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 let's get you back where you're trying to go and build your business. And so I am an author. I have a podcast. I am launching some big courses coming up this fall and winter. It's yeah, I got a lot going on. It's really fun. That's incredible. You're busy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Busy's good. Yeah. Busy's good. I love busy's a good thing. By choice. Busy by choice is good. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. What I find interesting is your story really starts at conception. It does. Yeah. I will let you start with yeah, where your story begins. 42 years and 10 months ago. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> because people didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like all, all entertaining today. So 
I often talk to people about rejection and my story really starts at conception. So my parents happily married, life's good. They get pregnant with my older sister. They didn't know, but my mom was actually pregnant with twins and she miscarried at five months. And when they went to do the DNC, they found a second baby. (gasps) And so wicked pregnancy complications, my sister went almost two months overdue it was a hippie doctor who believed babies would come when they come this is in oh the 70s my God. oh yeah like due date of april 7th and born may 31st like crazy so my little 95 pound mother had an almost 11 pound baby naturally so just I use your imagination on how well that went hair? Down. like lord that's oh insane. no she came out they nicknamed her fat emma in the hospital so her <laughs> name. they nicknamed her fat emma in the hospital because she had so many roles like she was literally like the pillsbury doughboy and they used to laugh that they had to unroll her fat wash it dry it and roll oh. it back <laughs> because she came out like almost like a toddler like it was yeah ridiculous. it was like the pictures are wild but then because of that there was wicked postpartum depression all kinds of complications and a good proper housewife does in the late seventies, you get pregnant again to have another baby two years later. Right. And that was me. My mom and her words had taught herself to hate me so much in utero that by the time I was born, she could hardly touch me. And it took almost two years to touch me without physically retching. That is how much this woman hated me. Oh, that just is, I can't imagine that. That's got to have an impact on your connection, like child mother connection. Touch is one of them is like the most important sensation Mm -hmm. when you're born, like skin to skin. And yeah, they say they take the babies out and put them right right on the mom's chest. Totally. Because it's needed. And I have this one photo of me in the hospital with my mom. And it's the saddest thing ever where she's wearing like this velour, like house coat and her face is down. She has me just like sitting on her lap and she's looking at me like she's just broken. It is the saddest. And it's interesting because I didn't realize the lack of connection with my mom and where it came from. Right. Right. So growing up, I always just knew that my mom was mad at me. I always knew that my mom, like often I felt like she just hated me. I always felt there's this weird disconnection. And you'd see like your friends with their moms and they had this like loving connection. And it was like, meh. Like, I just can't even, I can't even fathom. People are like, what do you mean? And I was like, when I got engaged, my mom wasn't even on my list of people to tell. Like I didn't even, I phoned the house to tell my dad who was laying in bed next to her when I, told them but like even wedding dress shopping I never thought to bring my mom she wasn't my person like why why would I invite this person I contacted my best friend's mom yeah because I was like oh I wonder if she'll make it do you know what I mean like I grew up like that though where there was never she was just my adult right right it was just my adult and what I didn't realize until later in life as well is we learned to bond and to love in utero that's actually where we learned that So when I would struggle with relationships, when I'd struggle with friendships, when I'd struggle with significant others, I never understood why. I always just felt like this odd duck in my own little pond. That's the best way to describe it. And like friends would just be like so excited and have to talk to each other all the time. And there's this like this wild bond and connection. I'd be like, yeah, cool. Where mine felt like it had to be like this very conscious decision. Yeah, this very you were masking choice. to try and, yeah. Oh, 100%. And that started at this super young age, this phenomenal ability to chameleon, 
to be who I needed to be for people, but also to dissociate because I had to be able to shut off emotionally. I had to be able to shut off all those feels and just act like I fit in, just yeah. act like I was part of it. But I'd go home at the end of a day. And if you would ask me like who my friends were, I probably would have listed the people I talked to that day, but I really didn't know how to feel a connection to them. Was your mom more connected to your sister? Had they oh. bonded? Oh my word. So connected to my older sister and my younger brother. Oh, so there was wow. even a baby after you. Yes. Did she ever disclose to you why she had such a hate for her pregnancy with you? She was terrified to go through childbirth again. She was terrified to lose me. She was terrified of all of the complications that had happened with my sister. And yeah. so then to get pregnant again is terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. And it's interesting because it was only after she passed away. So she passed away in 2008 in a car accident. And it was in my grieving that year that I was like, I don't think I'm grieving normal. Like oh, this wow. doesn't wow. seem like a normal way to grieve. I realized that so much of what I was grieving was what should have been. But also like we had a hard relationship because of this. And so I was so angry. I was like, no, I have questions. And now she's dead. And <laughs> like I was really freaking pissed off. And so in that, I was reading this book. I think it's called Changes That Heal. And it's by Dr. John Townsend and Dr. Henry Cloud. And they were talking about like this bonding and this inability to bond and all of these things. And I was reading it. And I remember looking over and I was like, I don't have this. Is it me? And I reached over and I like shook my husband awake. It was like two in the morning. And I was like, is this me? And I'm reading him this whole list. And he's like, Don, you don't know how to bond to anybody. He's like, I don't even know if you love me, but it's okay. We love you. Go back to yeah. sleep. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> right. So I'm like calling my sister in the morning. And she was like, did you not know this? Did you not know this about mom and her pregnancy with you and all of these things? But my sister's a labor and delivery nurse. And so she's done the research and she studied this and she's dealt with this, right? And then she just told me, she told me all of these things. Well, now I have to call my dad and ask him for confirmation. And he's yeah. like, oh yeah, that's how it was. And then all my mom's sisters and my grandma, and I'm like calling everyone, losing my mind going, hey, wait a sec. Is this what's made me broken? Because I felt yeah. broken. Yeah. It actually felt like there was something in me that was so fundamentally damaged. Yeah. And I could never figure it out. Did your mom try to create bond with you at any stage? In the words of my dad, if I wanted my mom to love me, I needed to need her more. Ooh. I was really angry. I was in my early 20s. I had gone home to visit with me and my husband, and I was so mad at her, and I'd stomped into the house over some argument we had. And I looked at my dad, and I was sobbing. He had just gotten back from work, and I said, Dad, how do I get her to love me? How do I get Mom to love me? I can't figure it out, and I'm bawling. And I'm not a crier. And he just looked at me, and he goes, Don, if you want your mom to love you, you need to need her more. And I went, oh, huh. that's hard because you like, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And you I learned from in utero, you couldn't yeah. need her. Your needs yeah. wouldn't Never. be met. No, I really feel that. I feel that with my own mother too, is that I need to need her more and need more help from her. But then when I do get the help, there's not enough appreciation. It's just this like it's lack of, attached. 
everything. I'm curious, though, like when you were talking about your mom and get her getting pregnant again and being so afraid, how could you have a baby and not bond with it? That's the saddest thing. But can you, being a trauma worker, acknowledge that she did go through trauma? Oh my gosh. And obviously it was never dealt with. It was pushed down. Unfortunately, I've had miscarriages. And I know sometimes out of self-preservation, when you get pregnant again, you don't want to get too attached because you're afraid. But then at some point you do move to obviously bonding with your baby and loving them. I think that there were so many facets to it. I completely understand what she was going through. I can put myself in her shoes and be like, oh my gosh, I get it. Yeah. Like she was in a situation from everything from the faith aspect of it to being a Mennonite to like, there's all these facets of it that it was like, no, no, no. You have a baby every two years. This is what you do. You bury your head in the sand. You don't talk about your struggles. You don't talk about your weaknesses. You don't talk about suffering. We're talking about like 1980. Yeah. Like nobody was talking postpartum depression. No. Nobody or was birth talking trauma. No, birth trauma. Nobody no. was talking about birth trauma. These yeah. things didn't exist. I think even now, it's probably just in the last few years because of social media that I've even heard of the concept of birth trauma. We interviewed the birth trauma mama and she shared her story about she almost died giving birth and the fact that nobody talks about that. They're like, you no. have a baby. Here, you should be perfectly happy. You have a baby. But the trauma that you went through, yeah. yeah. And then for her trauma to happen at month five, right, with the initial miscarriage, but then for it to happen again at birth, yeah. can you imagine at no point in that 40 weeks would she have felt safe to connect? No. Right. Because what if something goes wrong? What if this falls apart? And then add to that the depression and the anxiety and all of the other things. My mom was a hardcore warrior. She definitely had some mental health struggles. Add all of that to it. My dad was a logging truck driver at that point. Her whole pregnancy was his time of year where he was gone all the time and he was never uh, home. So she's also like single parenting a child. There's so many different parts and pieces to this that tie into it. And I honestly think that it was just by the time she even realized what was happening, it was almost like it was too little too late. And then how do you bond? And I in turn had come out, I swear I like knocked on the door and walked out of the womb. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm ready to start life. I was miss independence from birth. My family tells stories about like how I potty trained myself and how like, I just, I'm like, I was that kid. Was I was that like, on oh, no, a necessity. Honestly, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think it was desperately out of necessity, but it's interesting looking back and my mom's childhood best friend will talk to me about this and have these brutally honest conversations with me about my mom and her struggles. And it's super interesting because we were talking and with my best friend from when I was nine till current, she was like, do you remember how we used to plan out how to piss off your mom? And I was like, oh my gosh, we did that because- (laughs) What we do is if we can't get love from A, we get it from B. If we can't get love from A and B, we'll go to C. This is what we do. So I learned at a super young age, if I pissed off my mom, she'd send me to work with my dad. Or she'd send me to an aunt and uncle's or cousin's house. Or she'd send me to the next door neighbor's house. Or she'd volunteer me for something. So I knew my relatives all lived five hours away. I knew if I pissed her off, 
bad enough by like June 1st, the last day of school, she would drive my ass to my grandparents, drop me off and leave me for at least a few weeks of the summer. Were you closer to those extended family members? Still struggled to bond, but 100%. And I was super tight to my dad. Like my dad and I were really close, but it was so interesting because like, I remember doing this. My friend and I laughed because she's like, I remember literally sitting in my bedroom and like writing out the like the plan to make your mom angry. (laughs) I knew if I wanted to go to my friend's house for like long extended sleepovers, like not just Friday night, but I want like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I'll go to school from there. Just piss her off enough. Because then she's okay with me not being at home. She justifies why, yeah, why you're not there. 100% 100% because she has a mommy there. It's easier to not have me there. It's so interesting and- to think about like the mental health struggles that we never talked about in the 70s, 80s, and now seeing the children that were affected by not talking about it, not acknowledging it, and mm-hmm. seeing the product of it now that we're all screwed up millennials <laughs> because our parents <laughs> never talked about anything. They never shared their struggles. They never got help for their struggles. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. And it's interesting because I've had really funny conversations. I always joke that it's like my age plus about two years is where there's some emotional intelligence starting to happen. It's like, we're at the age where we're like, oh, we could do therapy. Yes. We could hire a coach. (laughs) We could admit something. Like we're that age. But anything over is like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm going to have another drink with my thoughts, but don't worry, I'm fine. Yeah, totally. I remember, so this is horrible, but funny to me. So I hope you find it funny. I was dealing with all of this like anger and rage towards my mom. So at one point, my dad had moved in with us after my mom died. And I wrote out like an invoice to him for all of like my mental health. So it was like, (laughs) she's worth, I deserve this much money and all this stuff. Oh my God. And he looked at me and he's like, how about you just figure out your own shit? And totally just like, I was so angry. Uh, That was really when I started going, hey, wait a sec. I've lived through a lot of trauma in my day. That was the beginning. That was the beginning, right? At 12, I broke my back on a tra- in a trampoline accident and had massive trauma from that. At 14, I was sexually oh abused by an uncle and told to ignore it and act like nothing happened. Oh this isn't God. a nothing happened situation. Yeah. 15, I had a severe eating disorder down to 87 pounds. 16, I attempted suicide and almost died. They actually found me and revived me and I was some pissed, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be dead. Yeah. And at 17, three days before my 17th birthday, I had a brain aneurysm. Or my 18th birthday, sorry, I had a brain aneurysm and almost died. And like that was before life got hard. That's before I was an adult and life got really hard. Do you know what I mean? And and so I lived through all of this crazy and so much of it. I was like, would this have been as bad had my mom loved me? Had I not felt the guilt and the shame of how hard it was on her that I had a brain aneurysm? Right. How hard it was on her that I was abused because now she had to choose sides. All of these things. And so in my healing of, no, I've got a lot going on and either I want to be dead or I got to figure this out because those are my only two options. Like I'm not actually living in this anymore. I had written a, like a complete rage letter at her and I knew that I needed to have a moment with my mom and like really process a lot of my hurt and my anger towards her. 
and I had no idea where to do it. So I actually drove to her grave in Northern BC. I drove to her grave and it was like Thanksgiving weekend. She had died in January. I had spent months processing all of this and I proceeded to full on grieve and rage. And I'm talking like spitting on her grave and kicking it. And like, I lost it and cried. I'm sobbing. I'm laying and it was still just dirt. Like I'm laying in this dirt and people are like, you did what? And I'm like, oh no, I needed a moment with her. I can move on. I was there for hours. And when I was done, I was supposed to go back to my grandparents' house for Thanksgiving dinner and see the family and act like everything's fine. And I got up. And my husband was meeting me there and I got up and I brushed myself off and wiped my tears. And I was like, okay, I feel good. I feel like I can move on now and I can process my relationship with her because I'd like fully release some of it. And I showed up, I'm like mud, like I was just like covered <laughs> in dirt and mud. And I was like, what happened to you? And I was like, nothing, just yeah, nothing. <laughs> I could never tell you, but I'm surprised no one called the cops. We're going to put it that way. Oh yeah. my gosh. I think that's yeah. a lot of the things that you don't talk about after somebody dies, because after somebody dies, they were a great person. They were, oh my word. Up on the pedestal on this, they go. You put them on yeah. this pedestal. Yeah. But like you still had issues with them and they were still an asshole or they were still whatever and those feelings don't just go away because they've died you know what I think is like one of the hardest parts of grief and why a lot of people struggle so hard with it is we refuse to accept the fact that you can love someone and hate them at the same time yes yeah that's so true it's so hard to accept that it's so hard to be like but she was my mom and she taught me amazing things and she taught me beautiful things and there were so many parts of her that were so good and yet I hated so much of her and the pain that she caused and the hurt that she caused and all of those things and it feels like we're not allowed to have both of those emotions yeah especially after somebody dies oh yeah the day that my mom died I actually felt gratitude. I actually weirdly felt grateful. And that night I slept for the first time in over 10 years, not needing a sleep aid Wow! to drown all the thoughts in my head. I had incredibly healthy boundaries with my mom in the end because in the last few years, because I had to, because it was literally killing me. And I was like, she's not going to kill me. I am way too young to die because of her toxicity. And even the night before she died, it had been a horrible year. Like my dad was in a logging accident. He had shattered 79 bones from his waist up. My husband was super sick and had almost died that winter. Like I'm talking like brutal year. And she died 10 months after my dad's logging accident. So he wasn't even recovered yet. And the night before she died, her and I were talking on the phone and she called me to tell me she was going to divorce him and I was like sorry what and she's like yeah I didn't sign up to be married to someone who's sick I'm not doing this for the rest of my life you literally did that's in the (laughs) vows thank you actually I'm pretty sure it was in sickness and in health it's the first one before health it's like it's a big one and we had a pretty harsh conversation and I was like mom if you walk away from him over this I've dealt with this exposed my entire marriage, my entire marriage. And I have chosen him day after day after day after day when things are at the depths of their hell and they're the hardest. I still choose him and I choose to stand by him. And now he's been doing amazing for a long time again, but like we had some rough years. And I was like, if you walk away from him because of that, you're dead to me. 
because I can't actually respect you. Your level of morals and integrity is so low. I can't have you in my life. And she was like, that's just a decision you'll have to make. (sighs) And we ended the call with an I love you. But I remember going to bed and I had called my sister going, we got to get this woman help. She's not coping. And the next morning she died on her way to work. Oh my God. In a car accident. And it was so wild. The weird like guilt and shame and like all of these things attached to this. And then being like, oh, I had this really brutal conversation with her and nobody knows about it. Yeah. And everyone just thinks that she was this loving wife. And I'm like, what? Like I have, I'm like the script keeper of the secret. Yeah. But in my grieving of her, like fully understanding who she was, what she was, but also that's all she could give me. Like she did the best she could with the skills that she had. Doesn't mean she had a lot of skills. And it's interesting because I did her eulogy, which is funny, but I was the one who like planned all of it. I just, because I'm the logistics queen in my family, but I was also the most- That's like Carly too. I was like, Don, you and I are very similar. I know, right? We had that conversation. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so in the middle of all of that and doing the slideshow and finding the photos and doing all the things and calling the people and making sure everything's okay. I was also grieving weird compared to everyone else. Cause I was like totally good all day. And then I'd cry at night in bed on my own because yeah. you gotta be who people need you to be. And they need me strong. I can't cry. Cause what if that severs any sort of bond I may have created? Cause there's like this weird rejection piece that follows into that. Even in her eulogy, like I talked about how she was like the most outstanding mom and grandma and friend. And because she really was to so many people, just not me. I said the oh exact God, same guys, thing. I can't, I'm like literally looking at Carling like this is deja vu. It, I found it incredibly hard to watch all of these people mourn this incredible selfless, listening to how all these people speak about him. And it really dawned on me in his death that like he was a really caring person, just not to me. He was a really patient person, just, just not, not with me. It was like you were grieving a completely different person than everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Did you struggle to see your siblings grieve a different person than you were grieving? No, because I watched them have a different relationship with right. her my entire life. It was funny. Like I was, I actually was laughing looking through photo albums because it was like mom's favorite son. And there was like an album of all my brother's childhood photos. Oh, <laughs> God. My sister and like none of me. <laughs> right? yeah. Just the amount of even photos in comparison was hilarious and whatever. Like first kid, middle kids, whatever. Like I, yeah. get, it. I get that. But it was still like it, like, it was hilariously obvious yeah. how much I was not the preferred child. Right. Right. But even growing up, like the amount of times she did it multiple times, like where it would be Christmas and my parents always had a really strict budget on Christmas presents. And so it'd be like $50 per child. I wouldn't get a present and my mom would be handing out presents and she'd be like, oh, I found something that was so perfect for your brother and sister. And so I just took your budget and used it on them. But that's okay because you don't need more presents. And then she'd move on to them. Like that sort of crap happened my entire Higher life. Did your dad try to compensate for her lack of love and caring? No? no. My dad was raised in a house where he was never once told, I love you, like his entire life from his mom or dad. So he loved through actions. So my dad loved by going to work and he loved by making sure that we went camping on weekends or that he, he'd come home early from work and then we'd go to the lake and go skiing or kneeboarding or things like that. Like it was all actions. 
Yeah. And my dad was the most loving, kind, generous human. My parents were both incredibly generous. I don't think he knew how to step in and fill in that gap. And I also don't know if he even totally saw it. There are a few people that have stepped up and been like, oh no, your mom treated you like a completely polar opposite different child than your siblings. Like when we sorted out Christmas tree ornaments when my mom died, because my dad got rid of everything in five days. He was done. He was like, clear out the house. We were going through ornaments and it was like mother's favorite son, mother's favorite daughter. And I had a stuffed cow ornament, right? Like it was never, it was just not like that just wasn't. Yeah our relationship, right? So I had watched my siblings growing up with this incredible mom who loved them more than anything and cared for them and did those things. And I can't say my mom never did anything nice. If I wanted to do fundraising for something, she would drive me around and she'd support me and help me. And she did a lot of those things, but it was very transactional. It was like, if I do this thing, I love her. Even if I don't actually care about her. If I give her a little bit, then then she'll think that I love her. And not knowing what I needed, not knowing that I needed someone who would like ask me how I was doing or give me a hug or want that quality one-on-one time with me. I don't know if she realized to the day she died that there was a disconnect, sadly. Yeah. And that's where like when I wrote my book about my life, um, my brother and sister both weren't super happy about it, but I did ask him first and they both were like, yeah, you can write about your story. And then when I did, they're like, oh shit, she wrote about her story. <laughs> 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 That's not what we meant. (laughs) I know, right? They're like, wait, that's our story too, to a degree. We didn't actually think you'd write it. Everyone says we're going to, you know, and dies. I'm super vulnerable in the book about my mom and who she was and what she was to me and what I had to do to heal it. And it's interesting because my brother and sister both were like, we feel like we don't know you. We read your book and we didn't know the majority of your story. And My brother, especially, I'll never forget. He's like, either I'm the world's worst brother or you're the world's greatest secret keeper. Wow. And I said, um, both. (laughs) Because I did. I guarded my hurt so hard that I also didn't allow people to see it. I think it's so important to talk about this stuff because I'm sure a lot of people feel this way with their parents, that they're missing that connection. They don't have that bond. And they feel shameful because they can internalize it and feel, what's wrong with me? What did I do to not earn their love? And you have to break the stigma and the shame of it all. You know what I mean? It's just... Yeah, totally. The first time I said to a client when their parent had died and they were in like the state of shock, it was about two weeks after that I talked to them again. And I was like, man, your life is so much better, isn't it? And they just looked at me because it was like, can I agree with this? Yeah. Because I sounded like a horrible person, but yeah. yeah. Yes. And they were like, yeah, I'm safe. You can say that to me and I'm not going to judge you for it because I get it. Yeah. yeah. The amount of times I've said that to people or they've contacted me and been like, Don, I feel the same about my own mom. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to process that. And I was like, you know what? It's okay. Like you're not going to know until you get there. Yeah, yeah totally. Right. Yeah. Until you're actually in this situation. I said, but then you can whisper thank you at their funeral where nobody else will hear. Yeah. And you can actually like, and then call me because I'll understand. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not, I hated her. It was like, she was a phenomenal woman. And what did healing look like for you? You mentioned a few minutes ago, not until you healed from it. What does that look like? 
So a lot of it was like, I had to allow myself to get really angry. I had to allow myself to actually sit in my shit with it. So to really, part of it, and this might sound funny, but part of it was to actually admit the garbage that had gone down. Because the little kid in me wanted to go, no, mom didn't actually say that. She didn't actually do that. And it's like, no, that actually happened. That actually happened. And that was really hard. That's a really hard exercise to write down all of the horrific things that had been done or said or reactions or stories or whatever and not try to justify them. And so that was one of my steps is I had to write that down. And then I had to, I spoke it out loud. I actually spoke it out loud because there's power in actually hearing a voice say it. And especially things that she had spoken to me. And honestly, if you're super not amazing mental health I don't recommend doing this alone. Call someone and do this with them. And then I sat down and was like, okay, what were my expectations of my mom? What were my expectations that I had of her, of who I needed her to be for me, of what I desperately craved in a mom? Right. And I wrote her like, these are my expectations of you. I hereby release you from these expectations. Thank you. And now what can I actually thank you for? What did you teach me? So in that, she taught me, how to care about people different. She taught me about contribution. My mom was so generous. She taught me about a love of cooking. She taught me a love of feeding people. She taught me a love of gardening. She taught me a love of like practical jokes and silly laughter. She did teach me amazing gifts in the crap. She taught me how not to treat somebody, how not to talk to somebody. So that became something where I was like, I'm going to actually thank her for that. And then I actually did my own little thing, like my own little ceremonial thing where I had my own funeral for her and I grieved the mom I should have had. And then I had another one where it was like, I grieved the mom I had. Wow. It was very hard, but very powerful. Yes. And then, and I do this with clients often. I do these sorts of situations with clients. I will plan a Funeral for your mom if you need me to kind of idea, right? I'll bring the flowers. So then as well with that, I sat down and looked at, okay, so based on the actions, the behaviors, the words, all of these things that caused me so much hurt, how has it actually harmed me and how has it benefited me? And then how am I going to work within those? So if I know that bonding is hard, if I know that bonding is a really hard one for me and I struggle with that connection and I struggle to know if someone likes me or know if someone loves me or know that someone wants to be in my world, what are my action steps? What are my actual like action to do steps that I'm going to do to maintain it, to build it? But then are there like check marks almost that I can be like, oh, they said this thing. Oh, they did this thing. So yes, they do. These are the actions of somebody that loves you. Yeah, you have to teach yourself how to know those signs that are so ingrained in other people. Oh, 100%. Because it's like, it's a conscious choice. It's not just a natural behavior. But then in that was also like, wow, I have attracted some super toxic people in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Really bad friendships and negative friendships because as long as they showed me an ounce of love, I was like, oh, they love me. Yeah. This must be okay. Even if they didn't have the best intentions. Yeah. Oh, even if it's like the most toxic relationship on the planet. So now I literally have those charts. If you're looking at like comparison charts of like hotel rooms or I'm looking to buy a laptop. Here's the comparison chart. I literally have a comparison chart, but it's like people and topics across the top. And it's, are they safe to have this conversation with? (laughs) Yeah. Yes or no. If it's a no, they're not allowed and like above this level of relationship. Yeah. 
It's, it's actually hilarious. And yes, I've actually typed the sucker out because then there's like layers in my head and it's like, oh, I can have this conversation. Okay. That's actually a true friend because it's not a natural to my brain. Yeah. And is this experience what led you into your trauma work, becoming a trauma specialist? Yes and no. It was all of the mayhem of my life. So I know I mentioned some of the early things. Then I went on to deal with infertility, couldn't have kids, ended up having to have a hysterectomy, but I ended up with a nine month drug addiction because of it. Death of my mom. My dad walked away from our family and abandoned us. My husband had health issues and I've actually seen him code twice in a hospital and I've had to say goodbye to him because we thought he was going to die multiple times. Like my life has been hilariously entertaining at this point. (laughs) And when I set out to start healing, it was like, I always felt like I was too much. I always felt like I was too much and my hurt was too much and my damage was too much and I was too broken. I remember going to see psychologists and I'm not saying they're all bad, but I went to multiple psychologists, like double digits of psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, social workers, everybody. And when I would tell them my story and all of my hurt and my trauma, I'd be like, can you help me with that? And like their jaw would drop. Right. And I was like, oh, so I'm actually scary to you. Right. I'm too much for you. You can't handle my level of hurt. And so I was really giving up. And I set out one day to try to figure out how to heal my own head. So I started taking courses. I started learning things. I started researching. I started reading books, going to every conference. And I ended up with a ton of certifications and different trainings and stuff just because I was trying to figure out my own brain. But I really looked at it as like, okay, each individual trauma, how did this affect me? What happened? What areas of my life would this have affected? You know, is this a neurological thing? Is this a heart thing? Is this just like a habitual thing? How do you actually heal from these traumas to where you can actually thrive and live life? And that's where I started just figuring it out and doing the work on myself. And people started asking for advice. So from the outside, people were watching and they'd ask me for advice. So I'd get a random phone call. Hey, my husband and I are struggling. You don't know me. I saw you one time somewhere, right? My husband and I are struggling with infertility and we don't know how to get through this. Can we talk to you? I was sexually abused as well as a child and I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to have this conversation with someone. Can we talk? And people just started showing up and asking for support. And that's where it was a client who was like, girl, you really need to actually charge me money <laughs> and you can start a business. Cause I want to send people to you. Wow. And that's really where it started. That's amazing. And the fact that you've put in the work and you've been through the trauma, I've been to therapists where they're fresh out of school I think they're 25. It seems like they haven't lived much of a life. I start telling them about things and yeah, they don't even know what to do. So there is something to be said about finding somebody who will actually just be in it with you because they've been in it. A lot of people say that to me and I get clients to show up because of that. They've read my book or they've seen me speak or they listen to me on a podcast. They're like, oh no, you actually have been in my head. Yeah, Like, you know exactly where I'm at, what I'm going through, what happened. And my favorite ever was someone contacted me and I called them back and I was like, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, chapter four and seven. (laughs) Kate, let me grab my book and look which ones those are. And I was like, oh, okay, these are the problems. All right, let's do this. And they just laugh. I love that I don't even have to explain anything. Like, you just That's perfect. And I can actually say, look, I've been there. I've been there. I get it. Now let's go through this. And I can walk through them in a totally different way than if I was actually a psychologist or a therapist. Because I have a totally, I have a very different way of looking at it. 
Is that sort of then what led you to starting your podcast? It totally is. It was clients that were like, you have no shame and you're willing to talk about all of the hard topics. And I was like, yes, I am. One of my guys a few years ago, he's like, you need to start a podcast. Just like talking about the hard things no one else is willing to talk about. And yeah, it was this last year that I finally this year, someone was like, would you just start your podcast already? And I'm like, <laughs> Fine, I will. It's been so cool to create a space for people to come and have those hard conversations. Like the one that released last week was talking about the good, the bad and the ugly of marriage when you're the caregiver. And how does that play out? How does that play out in your life? I talked yeah. to one woman about money. Let's talk about money. How yeah. did our parents talk about money growing up? And how they do didn't. we react to money? Yeah. And how do we talk about money? And yeah. how do we discuss these things, right? So we're diving into all of the topics. I love that. Let's have the hard conversation. What do we wish people talked about? So yeah, yeah. it's called Taylorway Talks. If anyone wants to check it out or if they want to be on it, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make sure we will yeah. tag you and put in our yeah. show notes where people can find your podcast and you post a lot of really interesting things. And yeah, we need to hear these conversations. Great. My God, thank you, oh, man. Don, <laughs> thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday to chat with us and have that conversation because it was really interesting it was awesome thank you and yeah inability to bond it is a thing yeah. research it and anyone who has questions on a door is really struggling reach out even if i can just send you some more resources or yeah i'm here awesome okay i'll let you ladies go have a great night and we will talk soon thank okay you. bye thank you bye hey michelle hey carling <laughs> my god your mouth was so close to the mic there I'm trying to be louder because listening to our past episodes, I find that I am not as loud. Oh, maybe should I, are you trying to tell me that I'm too loud? No, I'm just saying that we need <laughs> to, I need to match your volume. Oh, I do. I put it through a system that tries to equalize the volume, but I think it can okay. only do so much. Yeah. I have a grievance. Okay. My grievance is first it's with myself because I took my five children to the mall today and that was very stupid. We all survived and it was fine and there was no fighting, but it's just like a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to bring that many children. And a lot of my kids have not been in a store for a very long time because of the pandemic. Yeah. And just because I don't, I grocery shop by myself. I haven't been to a mall and I don't even know how long. So it's just not a place where they go too often. But yeah, we had a gift card for Claire's that one of my kids got for Christmas last year. The girls really wanted to go to the mall. And so we went to Claire's. Now Claire's is like a big accessory store that has everything like wallets a, and like sunglasses a and... cheap accessory store yes it's for chill it's for children i would say yeah. like like you're not children and you're pre-teens not, yeah you're not leaving this jewelry to your great-grandchildren no like it's mostly costume jewelry where yeah. your finger's gonna turn green or whatever but you can get your ears pierced there which no thank you yeah the girl working the cash i would not want anywhere near my ears ears <laughs> yeah any other area with a gun <laughs> yeah but when I would go to Claire's as a younger person, it was very inexpensive. They always had a deal where it was like, buy 10, get 10 free, something ridiculous, yeah, ridiculous. right? Ridiculous, yeah. So you're like loading up this entire basket and you're paying like $10. Not so much anymore. Really? There are some very expensive things there. Things that have no business being that expensive. You could get them at the dollar store for like 2 or $3. But yeah, I 
did not realize and it was buy three get three so i was like okay it can't be that bad yeah some of the things that my kids were picking were like twenty dollars oh my god yeah so anyway so yeah it was very expensive i don't like it i find that it is like basically a candy store for children and they're coming to you and they're finding all these little trinkets which are great but they're so overpriced Anyways, yeah, that's really crappy. I I hate that for you. We're going to write a letter. I want to do a really quick shout out. We got two new Ultimate Sufti members over on our Patreon, which is unreal to me. And to us, yeah, really. So a big shout out to Rebecca and Jasmine. Woohoo! I feel like I did Um, that weird. A little bit. You did it in your own way. And if you haven't already and you're an Apple podcast listener, please leave us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it makes us feel good about ourselves and (laughs) gives us validation that we so desperately need. That we so desperately need. It helps other people know what our podcast is about and that it's amazing. And then also follow us on social media. All right, let's go get some photos taken. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye.